Amen. Um, so for the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about our vision. So I don't know if you've picked up on that or not, but we have our vision. I'm going to read uh, our vision to you real quick. So our vision is to be a loving family that seeks to be transformed or changed by the good news of Jesus Christ, reaching our community through genuine relationships as we share in the hope that we've found in Jesus. Has anybody found hope in Jesus? That you didn't know Jesus before and life was just the pits. And then all of a sudden you found somebody that loved you when nobody else would love you. You found somebody that would hang out with you when nobody else would hang out with you. And we found a hope in that. And so how in the world are we going to do that? You know, it's really nice to have a vision up on a wall and, oh, yeah, look how good that is. Wouldn't it be cool if we could be able to do that? But we accomplish that vision through four of our mission statements. And number one, we worship. Like, if you don't know our body, we are a worshiping body. There is something that is very important to us, not just musical. Like, music is just one component of worship. Worship happens on Monday, on Tuesday. It affects our entire life. And we desire, as we're worshiping the Lord, the Lord comes near to us. As we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And heaven comes and changes the world around us. So we desire to see heaven come to the earth in relevant ways. We have a desire to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Everybody here knows that it's not my responsibility to reach all of Cookville for the gospel because I can't do that. It's all of our responsibility to reach all of our community. So we are uh, desiring to equip people with the tools to realize your God-given gifts in relevant ways. So the fourth week, to this week we're going to be talking about relating. So the fourth week we're going to be talking about reaching our community in unselfish and practical ways. But this week we're going to talk about relating, relationships. Isn't it exciting? Have you ever had a relationship that, uh, that didn't drop the ball on you? Have you ever built a friendship or built a family member uh, relationship? And it's like, wow, you just really tore my heart to pieces. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. We do uh, premarital counseling with uh, couples, and then sometimes you just look at them and go, oh, baby, just, just wait. I was talking to one couple one time, and they had been together about six months, and they decided to get married. So I was talking to them. I was like, well, what's your, like, fighting style? Like, how do you guys fight? Like, are you a verbal fighter, or do you, like, take a hammer through all the house, you know, because some of us are, you know, physical people. And uh, the, the lady said, we've never had a fight. Oh, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> so that got married, and it was a beautiful wedding. And about six months after they got married, the guy called me. and was like, man, I just, <laughs> she went crazy. And I was like, no, <laughs> she didn't go crazy. You both went crazy. So relationships are hard sometimes. So when we're talking about relating to each other, I want you to imagine two families, all right? There's a hilltop, and then there's a valley. There's a family that lives on the hilltop and a family that lives on the valley. Well, one day, a big storm comes through, kind of like what we had last night, and all of a sudden, bam, the valley floods. The valley family loses everything that they have. Church throws a fundraiser to help out the valley family, and at the fundraiser, everybody's eating, everybody's doing a cakewalk and, you know, good old Baptist fun. And the hilltop family goes up to the valley family and he goes, well, brother, I can relate to what you're going through. No, you can't. Like, would it surprise you if the Valley family just, like, cold-cocked the Hilltop family at the church function? No, because how frustrating is it when someone comes up to you that can't relate to what you're going through? They've never been through what, you've go what you're going through, and they go, well, I can relate. Try to get over it. That's not helpful. We can never relate to each other until we have a shared experience. 
Relating involves the sharing of experiences between one person and another, and it takes time. It takes building a genuine relationship with someone in order to start relating to, to understand, to connect to who that person is. And so relating is not just something cool that we put on the wall. Relating is the backbone of our culture. Our cultures are based on shared experiences where the people in my life usually think like I do, have been through the same kind of things that I do. I will gravitate towards people that I have a shared uh, connection with. So what would happen if our Hilltop family instead went up to the Valley family at the uh, church potluck, this fundraiser, and said, man, I am so sorry that you're walking through this. I have no idea what you're going through. Will you come let us cook for you? Can we take you out to dinner? Can I take you out to coffee? And at a meal, they sit down and say, what's life been like? How are you dealing with what you're dealing with? Is there any way that I can help? And the Valley family starts sharing stories. Sometimes they stay a little bit longer than the, than the Hilltop family wants them to stay. And as they start pouring their heart out, the Hilltop family, step by step, starts making moves closer and closer to being able to relate to that person. And it's only done through relationships. So I could never have experienced a flood, but as I build a relationship with someone that has walked through a flood, I have an element of my life that I have leveled up. An area of my life is like, okay, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I can kind of start empathizing with you. So as we start building these genuine relationships, we begin to empathize and we begin to make these connections and then all of a sudden our ability to communicate to each other starts opening up. Like all of my married families in the house, have you ever tried to communicate and then what the other person is hearing is not what you're saying. Like I, I was saying nice things and you yelled at me. I, I asked you how you were doing and you bit my head off. Like, so sometimes we, we try to communicate and what the other person is receiving is not what we're trying to give out. Well, we are doing, like when there's a breakdown of communication like that, it's because we're not relating to somebody. I'm not connecting to. I, there is a breakdown in my understanding of you. If I understood you better, I would, I would be able to change the way that I say things so that the message that I'm giving out is the same message that you're sending. So when we have a breakdown of communication, imagine that I walk up to you. And as a pastor of the church, this is something we say a lot. Well, brother, I love you. But if I don't know you, do you really feel that? I love you sounds like a hollow phrase if I don't know somebody. You know, imagine, you know, some, like, junior high kid has his first girlfriend. I love you. It's like, man, you have no idea what love is. You know, you think of Romeo and Juliet. Love. No, that is not love at all. It is easy for us to say, I love you, but unless you know somebody, unless you connect, connect to somebody, unless you relate to somebody, they are not going to believe that, they, that you love them. Now, we as a church, it's one of our main goals as a church to communicate to the world outside, God loves you. And I love all of us in here, but for some reason, the church has had a breakdown of communication with the world outside. So when we stand up here and say, hey, the church loves you, the Lord loves you, the world around us is hearing a different message than we're trying to send. The world is hearing, I hate you. The world is hearing, I want distance from you. The world is hearing, you scare me. And the reason why there's a breakdown of communication is because we have refused to relate to the people around us. 
Because relating to people is hard, especially when it's people that I don't know. I don't understand them, and they scare me. So I'm going to kind of sneak back over here, and I'm not going to talk to anybody. I love you. I don't believe you. I don't believe you until you get closer to me, but I don't want to get closer to you. So as Christians, as believers, we look to Jesus to be the source of everything that we do. So how do we relate to people like Jesus related to people? Well, um, as believers, we believe in something called the incarnation, that Jesus was not a human and that he was born as a human and became a human and lived with us. In Philippians 2.7, it says, instead, he, Jesus, gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. In Hebrews 4.15, it says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So that he came down to earth and walked more than a couple of miles in our shoes. He lived with us. He wasn't some high lofty God in a palace. He was born in a stable. He lived with a poor family. He lived among the masses of people. He was one of the guys. And so when he looks to us and our lives are falling apart, he can say, I can relate. I know what you're going through. When we look around and we see the stuff on the news and we're like, how in the world could this world be falling apart like this? He looked around at the same world and went, it breaks my heart that the world's falling apart like this. He knows us. He's communicated with us. He's connected with us. He relates to us. And so when Jesus looks at us and says, I love you, we can trust him. Now, a lot of the times we don't believe him. We believe that his love is a little bit different than our love. So Jesus related to the people around us by stepping outside of his privilege, by stepping out of his divine haughtiness, and he came and lived like one of the boys. So we do not have to be incarnated. We are born human beings. I think most of us are humans, right? I think at least the vast majority of us are humans. So we've already got one step uh, ahead in the game, but we still have to do exactly what Jesus did. We have to realize that we live in a world of comfort and we live in a world of privilege. And so I have to step outside of my comfort and I have to start spending time with people that look like, that think like, that talk like, that act different than me. And I have to start relating with, I have to start connecting with, I have to start understanding the people outside that don't look like me or else the world will never believe that we love them, well, the world will never believe that God loves them. And we, we connect to, we relate with, we, um, we understand by using the most powerful word that uh, the English has to offer. We get in a relationship, we square off with somebody, and instead of asking, what are you doing? Who are you hanging out with? We ask, why? Not, why are you doing that? What makes you think that? Why would you vote for that person? Why do you believe in a God? Why do you not believe in a God? Why do you like playing those video games? Why do you like this car? When we start asking why of the people around us, we start picking up on motivation. And if I can figure out what motivates somebody, all of a sudden I have a window into who they are. And as they start talking about the things that they're passionate about, well, I'll tell you why I like this video game, because this reason, this reason, this reason. Well, why do you like that football team? Well, that football team is the most amazing thing ever. Why in the world do you not like Sparta? Well, here's all the reasons why I don't like the Sparta football team. I love all of my Sparta friends and family members. 
but we did win this week, just saying. So, uh, so we ask why when we start connecting to somebody that's different than us, that starts looking like different, or they, that we start connecting to someone that looks different than us. So imagine there's a church. Maybe there's a church on a hill in a community, and someone drives by that church and they go, wow, look at that nice church. Isn't that a pretty church? And they just drive on by. Well, our ability to connect to the community around us is short-circuited if there's no people here. Hey, Savannah, would you pop up to the, the next slide on that? So I have this amazing church, and then one day you show up to church, and bam, there's a you that pops up. Uh, could you go to the next one? There you go. So look at you. Aren't you cute? Look at you. You have a sphere of influence. You have a circle of people that's inside of your influence. And so there is a group of people inside the church. Let's say that this church is on a hill. There's a group of people that you connect to here. Well, there's also a group of people that you connect to that's not here. At work, your favorite cashier at Walmart, somebody that's outside of our church. Doesn't mean that they're, you know, rank center, you know, heathen. It's just somebody that doesn't uh, share the same family values as we do here at Church on the Hill. So you're connecting with someone inside. You're connecting with someone outside. Question. Are you responsible for relating to, connecting to, understanding everybody in church? No. That would be exhausting. How in the world could you connect to, relate to, understand everybody in the church? Question two. Are you able to connect to, relate to, understand everybody in your city? Of course not. But you are responsible to relate to, connect to, to understand the people that God is putting in your life. Now, I, I don't need anybody in this room to have a huge, massive circle. You do you. You are relating to, connecting to, understanding people, and that's amazing. You keep on doing what you're doing until one day somebody else shows up at church, and they sit on the other side of the church, and they're them. Do you know any thems? I don't understand them. I don't relate to them. I don't have anything in common with them. They sit on the other side of the church. And as humans, we are uh, a little egotistical. <laughs> we're a little selfish. And we look at our lives and we see the way that we're doing things. And my system is the right system. And if you get tired of being a failure in life, you can entreat of me and I will tell you how to live your life. And if you'll just do things the way that I want you to do them, you'll be happy like me. So there is a temptation for us to reach across this social circle, grab one of them, and start pulling them closer to us. Because I have people in my life that their world's falling apart. And if I could just get somebody to help me with the people, with the messes, with the issues that I have got in my life, come over here. Like, this family needs food. I need you to come over here and help me. Why don't you care about this family? Why don't you connect to this family? Why don't you love this family? Why don't you relate to this family? You need to be more like me. We don't celebrate diversity a lot. Instead, we celebrate the me that I see in you. And you are correct in as much as you act like, talk like, think like me. But instead, I can look at this and go, I am relating to, I am connecting to, I am understanding a group of people. They are sitting on the other side of the church. They are relating to, they are connecting to, they are understanding a group of people that I will probably never understand, relate to, 
connect with. So how about I start celebrating the diversity that I see around me and say, you go be you. Way to go, man. Proud of you. I'll take care of this group. You take care of this group. But even with a you and a them, there's still gaps. There's still people falling through the cracks. There's still people not being related to. There's still people not being understood. There's still people not being connected to. And when that happens, we have people that do not understand that they're loved. And when they don't understand that they're loved, they will start acting like orphans. And so how do we fix that? Well, God's already got a you. He doesn't need another you. You are the only you that God needs. So what's the solution? Well, the solution is to have a whole lot more thems. Oh, gosh. One them was enough, God. Like, do you know how frustrating one them is? And then you're going to send me 200 more thems? Oh, that's, that's mind-blogging. Like, imagine that. That's like a Walmart on Saturday. <laughs> Look how frustrating that seems. But when I am taking care of the people that God has given me, and you are taking care of the people around you, and you are taking care of the people around you. You take care of the people around you. You are taking care of the people around you. No one slips through the cracks because it is not my job. It is not your job. It is our job to relate to, to connect to, to understand the people around us. And it takes emotional resources to do this. We are limited in our ability to do this. We can't be the center of attention. We can't be the center of the focus of the entire church. So for, let's say, like a thousand years, the church has been communicating to the people that have been going to the church, hey, the priest, the clergy, the people that are in charge, we're the professional Christians. You leave all this Christianing to us because we're more educated than you. We're more holy than you are. We have the power of God. And one day, you might be good enough to hit our level. But until then, you just show up and be a spectator in your faith. I don't know what that is. I have opinions about what that is, but that's not the church. So we are called co-laborers with Christ. We are all on the same playing field. My role in the church is no more important than your role in the church. And this has permeated for the last, you know, 1,000, 1,500 years, even into our Protestant circles. Because there are still churches that say, all right, well, the senior pastor is a little circle in the middle of the big circle. And it is your job to spread yourself so thin that you stretch and reach over everybody. Now, I just said one person cannot connect to, relate to, understand a whole group of people. But instead, we have pastors all over the country that are being pulled, stretched, that you have to be amazing at everything that you do. Like, me and Pastor Paul kind of relate to the you and them. We, we gravitate towards different people, but we have got to have everybody else around us. The reason why 3,700 churches in America close every year is because their pastors are being forced to relate to, connect to, to understand everybody. And no one can keep up with that. Today is the last day that 71 churches in America are going to meet because they just can't take it anymore. And they snap. They fall into adultery or they, they go crazy. Like you can read it in the news all the time because it is the job is too great for one person, but the job is easy for all of us. So if we will all do our job, 
man, the kingdom of God advances. The influence of the Lord advances in our culture, and no one's tired. No one's exhausted. Like you, uh, you parents that give out chores, if everybody would just wash one dish, no one has to be stuck with it for four hours. If you would just spend five minutes a day cleaning up your room, I wouldn't have to give up my entire weekend to handle your mess. So if everybody pulls their weight, it all, uh, it all gets done. So we were kind of talking about our individual circles. I need to be relating to, connecting to, understanding the people that are around me. Well, we as a church, we as a corporate family have also got to be relating to the culture where in which we find ourselves. There is a community out there that doesn't understand us, that doesn't relate to us, that doesn't connect with us. And we don't understand them, we don't connect with them, and we don't relate to them. So culture is changing around us. There's a lot, of, most of the people in this room grew up in a culture that it, most people looked like you, most people thought like you, most people acted like you. But you just have to walk down the street and then start realizing, oh, not everybody thinks like me. I can, especially with like, um, uh, election season, you can just drive down the road and go, that's a different viewpoint. Oh, wow. I didn't know, I didn't know that about you. You open up Facebook for 15 seconds and it's like, okay, I've had enough of other people's opinions. Oh, I can love you a whole lot better when I don't listen to you. Does anyone relate to that? Can you love your kids better than when you don't listen to them? I just need you to close your mouth just for 15 minutes. Um, I went to a, a Bible school uh, called New Tribes, and New Tribes' main goal is to seed missionaries into tribal groups, usually kind of in the equatorial uh, regions of the world. So they're in Venezuela, they're in Papua New Guinea, they're in all these hot, jungle, nasty places that no one likes to go. So you have to get in a boat and you have to drive for days upriver to find people that don't speak your language, have never seen somebody with skin as fair as yours. And then you have to start chopping down trees in the middle of their jungle and hope that they don't kill you because you have to be able to get a plane in there because some of these tribal Indians do not, like they don't have access to roads, they don't have access to trade uh, languages. Imagine not being able to speak the same language, not even close. Like when we watch the Olympics and we hear people talking, we're like, oh, that's an interesting language. Some of these tribal languages no one has ever heard in the Western world. So a missionary pops up, builds a, a tarmac so that planes can land, so that they can bring supplies in. If someone gets sick with malaria, they've got malaria meds that they fly into them. And then they have to start listening to the Yanomamu, to the Maikidetari, to the Sepik people in the, in the river valley. And I have no idea what you're saying. Where's your alphabet? Oh, we don't have an alphabet. Okay, well, I have to make an alphabet from scratch. Do you know how long it takes to create a phonetic alphabet? from scratch for a language that you've never even heard. A lot of cultures around the world have phenoms, have sounds that they make that people in America don't make that sound. What's that clicky thing that you do? All my friends that moved here from the north, you know that southerners can be really frustrating to be around because we have this list of unspoken rules that no one told you about, but you know when you break them it's like, well, why didn't you tell me? No one's supposed to tell you. You're just supposed to know it. So these cultures are like that. Now imagine, now I mean in the South we all have guns and stuff like that, but imagine you have poison-tipped arrows and a missionary makes one false step. One misunderstanding takes place 
and is the difference of life and death. Forget the gospel. Life and death. It's what happens with uh, Nate Saint and the Aka Indians. One misunderstanding and a whole team of missionaries lost their lives. So they have to start listening to their language and they st have to start writing it down and have to start learning it. And not only the language, they have to understand the culture and sit there and figure out, okay, this guy did this and he got his hand chopped off. What did you do? Please tell me how to not get my hand chopped off. And it takes years, sometimes decades, to understand a tribal culture well enough to even begin to start preaching the gospel. So these missionary families raise money for seven, eight years. They come back to their churches and like, all right, how many people got saved? It's like, well, I learned what the word for machete was. Well, what happens with like the hundreds of people that are getting saved? Like, well, this is not like TBNs on TV and thousands of people called in. No one's ever contacted these people before, and I have to make sure that I understand the culture around me perfectly so that when I start communicating something important, I know that they are receiving the same message that I'm sending out. So, saying all that to say, we live in a culture that as church folk, we don't understand. Like, unless we are spending time with people that did not grow up in the church, we don't understand the culture. In order to understand the culture, we are going to have to spend time with people that did not grow up around us. And yes, they do not believe like you believe. They don't act like you act. They don't vote like you vote. And we have to go, I don't care. I love you anyways. Tell me why. Tell me more about you. Hey, can we go get lunch? Hey, can we go get dinner? Why? Because I love you. I know you don't believe me right now, but I love you. I'm coming after you. So we have been miscommunicating for a long time. Remember when I said that 3,700 churches close every year? Well, about the same number open up every year. But the number of unchurched people in America stays the same. So if 3,700 churches are closing down and 3,700 churches are opening up, but the number of people going to church doesn't fluctuate, I know that all of these people are just going from church to church to church to church. So that the message that we're communicating as a church, and this is horrible, this breaks my heart. The message, for the most part, that we are communicating is only being understood by people that already understand it. And it is a waste of time for us to be speaking or teaching English as a second language classes to people that grew up speaking English. You can just quit. If we are not communicating our message effectively to the world around us so that the world around us is being impacted by it, we are wasting a good chunk of our time. We're having a great time in here. We're having an awesome party in here. But I've got friends and family members that are dying believing that God hates them. And so I have, it weighs on my heart heavily for us to be able to communicate to people that don't speak our language. Because we as believers, like I love us. I'm a believer. I've been in the church. I believe in the church. But we have a funny way of speaking language that people don't understand us because they don't understand words. People in our community today understand relationships. They speak the language of connecting. They speak the language of understanding. They speak their language of relating to someone. And we have got to start picking up that language or else we're going to get lost. I want to read a verse in 1 Corinthians 9. Starting in verse 19, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. So even though that I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many people to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew 
to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those that followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law, even though that I'm not subject to the law. I did not break God's law because I, sub I submit to the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? He gave us two laws, love God, love each other. I'm submitting to the law of Christ. In verse 22, for when I am with those that are weak, I share in, oh, I'm sorry, I missed 21. I apologize. When I'm with the Gentiles, I do not follow the Jewish law. I live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. Down to 22. When I'm with those that are weak, I share in their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I tried to find common ground, shared experiences with everyone, doing everything that I can so that I can win some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. So we have a group of people that are inside the body. And you have a sphere of influence. So I want to I lay in front of you the challenge that the Lord is laying in front of all of us. Try to connect to. Try to understand. Try to relate to. If, if you can just do the people on your row, just do the people on your row. I don't need everybody to be these huge spheres of influence. I don't need everybody to be the biggest hot shot in the room. But if you can connect to the person just next to you, that you talk to them, that you love them, that you try to get closer to them. If you can do that, awesome. If you can do that and the person that's sitting on your other side, if you can do that and connect to the person that's sitting in front of you, if you can do all of that and connect to someone that's sitting behind you, fantastic. And if you can do all of that and connect to somebody that you're working with, great. When we all pick up the gauntlet and start caring for the people that are around us, start loving, start relating to the people around us, man, the gospel gets advanced in here. And as we all together are connecting to people outside of our body, we start learning how to speak their language. It takes effort. It takes resources. It takes time takes money, a whole lot of spending money. You're impressed with me, I know. <laughs> I can feel it. Um, by the way, that song was my alarm clock for a long time. So anytime I hear that song, I'm like, all right, let's wake up. Um, so when you start connecting to people in here, you start connecting to people out there, all of a sudden relationships start taking place. And then when relationships start taking place, I can say, I love you. God loves you. And people around us believe it. But it's not going to work until we start speaking the same language as the people around us. So let me pray for us. Father.